Our guests for today's episode are Sidel Zuzarte and Minakshi Kamath. Sidel is a UX researcher at Swiggy and has previously worked at Hike Messenger. Minakshi is a freelance UX researcher and has previously worked at Swiggy. I am Mayank Khandelwal and you are listening to Whiteboard.fm. Hey Minakshi, hey Sidel, uh, welcome to Whiteboard.fm. Hey. hey, hi, how are you? Thanks good. for having us. I'm good, so how are you? We are great. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Minakshi and Sidel, can you introduce yourselves? Okay. Go for uh, it, man. Okay. Hi, I'm Minakshi. I'm a freelance UX researcher. Before this, I used to work as a researcher at Swiggy. Uh, I have a background in industrial design. Uh, after which I switched to doing research. If you want to know more, I can elaborate afterwards, I guess. Sidel, go for it. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, hi, guys. My name is Sidel. And uh, I also was an industrial designer before I switched to user research. Um, I started my career in research as an intern, and I worked for agencies in Bangalore. Uh, and then I switched to in-house research in different product companies. So it was initially Hike, and now I'm currently working at Swiggy, uh, and mostly handle the consumer and the vendor side. That's the restaurant side of things at Swiggy. And uh, yeah, it's been three and a half years as a researcher. So if you have any other questions, you can <laughs> take that up <laughs> through this call. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So let's start with breaking the bubble, right? So. For since a lot of folks think they know what UX research is, but they don't really know what it is, what it actually is. So, can you guys tell us what UX research is? So, um, okay, fine. I'll start. Uh, okay. So, basically, um, user research yeah. as a practice, it's more about uh, understanding your users in a very simple term. That that's what it is. You need to understand your users. When we say understand, we actually mean you need to understand uh, different uh, motivation levels of your user, what triggers them to use your platforms. You need to understand any challenges they face in their experiences, how is their uh, lifestyle, all of that thing. When it comes to user, the entire ecosystem. And what uh, we do as researchers, I think Minakshi can do that. <laughs> yeah, so in all of this, what we need to do is collect this information about your users. You use different methods to do it. You try to be unbiased towards it and then collate that information and surface insights that can then be used to inform design or strategy, wherever the research is going to be used. So that's the role that we play in doing the research. Awesome. So can you tell us a bit more about what your work profile as a UX researcher at uh, Swiggy was like? Cool. Uh, so uh, currently at Swiggy, um, I've been in Swiggy for two years at the moment. Uh, so um, most of my work, like I mentioned in the intro, is around consumer side. That's the users. That's me and you who order our food from Swiggy. And uh, then is the restaurant side of things where uh, these are these restaurant owners and different restaurant partners who have partnered on the app to provide their food. And uh, for when it comes to users, most of our work really in, gets involved in understanding uh, or validating those designs or anything that is being made 
uh, you know, taking those to the users and understanding how the different users engage with those designs or engage with the platform. Uh, how does the ordering journey look like? Um, and you, in that, by discovering the ordering journey, do they have any challenges that they face while they're doing that? And we need to highlight those challenges and take it back to the team and make them understand how um, uh, intense they are, how, what's the gravity of those challenges. If it's like really, um, if it's really extreme, then it has to be quick fast, a fixed pass. And if it's like really, um, like it can be strategized more, then the team works on it and has like multiple meetings to devise a plan to solve whatever problems our users are facing. Now that is for consumers. With when it comes to restaurant, it gets very different. For restaurant, it's more like a business. So we are understanding their day-to-day -day lifestyle. How are they? How is the business working? And um, at what instances they uh, engage with the devices that or the platforms we have provided for them. And what role does their space and their ecosystem, the restaurant itself, what role that, that plays while they're engaging with our uh, platform and while they're providing, going through that process. So those are the two different things. And um, most of it is working with teams and making the teams realize what exactly are their users facing so that they can better the product for them. So that's what happens in Swiggy like almost every day. <laughs> also, Minashi, you were saying about... Uh, Freelancing as yeah. a researcher. Yeah, so that actually involves a lot of understanding a business. Like when you're working internally, you kind of have a shared understanding or you can get it through stakeholders. But as a freelancer, you try and um, connect with uh, people, maybe, you know, a founder of a company or a CEO of some company who wants to start off doing research. So facilitating those conversations about why research, when research, all of that. And then jumping into where it can be useful, executing that, and then uh, being able to communicate the value of research to them through the work. So it involves a lot of understanding their point of view. Even for me, it's like uh, the business might be absolutely new to me. I have no idea about the, the way they run it. So it's right from there to then evaluating their need for research and then explaining where they should be doing research and then going ahead with that. That's kind of the nature of the work. Yeah, it sounds really intensive. So I'll be diving uh, in step by step. Mm -hmm. So um, what is a typical day for you guys like? Mm -hmm. So for Sidel, it would be what a typical day for you is like as a <laughs> US researcher at Swiggy. And for Minakshi, what a typical day for you would be like as a freelance US researcher. Okay. Uh, so... A typical day at Swiggy, apart from all the meetings due to COVID, <laughs> apart from that, um, there is a, a researcher has two kind of days. So one is when uh, there is no session. When I say sessions, I mean talking to the users or interviewing the users when that's not happening. What I'm typically doing is I'm either in a meeting talking to stakeholders. When I mean stakeholders, these are people who... Um, are working on the project with you. They can go from designers to PMs to engineers, anybody who's working on that product or that feature. So in those meetings, I'm getting to understand what, why do they require research? What problems are they facing? Are they coming with data backups and they've seen some trends that are not working out? So I'm getting to adjust to understand what is the project about and trying to understand their goals and what do they want from research. So once I do that, then most of the time goes in planning the research out or setting up timelines of, you know, how much time will it take for this research to happen, budgeting if it's required. And uh, then you're, you know, recruiting users, like you're 
sending surveys or calling them up or anything. You're doing different things to get these users on board to talk to you. When there are sessions, the day gets packed with sessions. So it's like uh, you have like three to four in a day and it just continues with some break. So that is what's happening. First of course, that most of the times it's like either you're collaborating with your teams to analyze the data you've collected, you to see what were the insights that you've got, or you're having further meetings to share those insights with the team and you know, share the videos and whatever you've got. And then you're doing more of brainstorming and helping the designers out with what is the next step that they can take. So that's what uh, three different days of a researcher looks like based on the phase you're in. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much the same uh, with freelance. It's just, I guess, lot more alignment over the research. There's a lot more like convincing that, oh, should we should we go about doing it this way or should we go about doing it another way? Because you're usually dealing with uh, someone who's rather new to the whole idea of doing research. So there's uh, days when you're sort of setting up the uh, stage for research, understanding their point of view, sharing your point of view. Uh, then there's going into the phase of uh, planning out your research, um, understanding what resources are available, a lot of time shoestring budgets. So then uh, you're thinking of workarounds to that, a lot of time spent on getting the users to you uh, with no money. And then uh, go ahead, uh, going ahead and executing the research itself. Since I'm working alone, it's like um, when you're analyzing, you can spend like an hour doing that. Uh, sessions also goes the same. And the rest of the time, you're sort of touching base with different people to sort of make sure you're all going on the same path. And no one is getting too scared about where this is going <laughs> and how long it's taking. Yeah, it's a... So from what I've inferred, uh, if I had to emphasize it, a lot on getting everyone on the same page, that is alignment and setting up processes before that. And mm. man, like it sounds so <laughs> intensive and effort heavy. And yeah. So when do UX researchers realize that they need to research for a particular feature or a product or for something? And instead of, because for a designer, the research is for a, designers who do not do UX research, their kind of research is looking at different competitors or looking at different applications and trying to do that kind of research, right? But for something which has not existed beforehand or for something which is completely new, um, when do you feel that, okay, we need to do UX research for this? Dude, you're asking a researcher when to do research. They'll always. say every, always. always. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think um, there are two phases when uh, people realize that they need research. Yeah. One is like you just said, when we are unclear, we don't know what product we have built. Uh, we don't know which direction to go. And the team and the researcher or the designer is pretty unclear of uh, the users, what are their needs. They know that... Uh, there is an opportunity in this area like okay there is an opportunity for food online food delivery to happen but how am i going to provide it and what i what do my users need to see for that that is when it's essential to go talk to your users and understand from them that uh, how are they getting their food right now what are they doing what are their workarounds in getting food right now for themselves are they ordering from the phone are they having two three menu pamphlets to hungry to use like five six years back uh, so understanding the current lifestyle, understanding the problems in that and how can you as a product solve for that in the future? That's one 
such time where we realize that research is extremely important. The second one is obviously in the design phase when you're already creating solutions, when your designers or the team are not sure of which solution is closely aligned with the user's requirement. And you have like multiple uh, prototypes made and you have multiple designs ready, but you don't know. And there's like a conflict every day. And yeah. at those conflicts, you'll be like, no, let's try and solve this through research. Let's talk to users. Let's get an idea of what they like. And then uh, that's when a second requirement of research comes about. And with like knowing, uh, when you're trying to see what other players in the market are doing, of course, there's a place for that. You should always keep a track of that. There's a sort of benchmarking that happens, but you don't know what kind of decisions they make their product based on. You don't know who they're targeting with a certain uh, feature or a product within a product. So since you don't know that, if the only knowledge that uh, the changes in your product are based on the market and where the design is going there, you might be missing out on actually innovating on building products for your specific target audience. Even if it's extremely similar to the uh, competitors, you never know where their decision making is coming from. Because when you're working in a product company, the, some decisions could be made purely for business and not so much for the user and some could be purely for the user not so much for the business but you'll know, not know that being another company or competitor of that product so it's good to always do <laughs> user research just uh, you know find out which stage of uh, development you are in and then apply the right method for this nice so <laughs> The next question for this is that now that we've established that everyone should do UX, uh, UX research and for the following reasons, getting to UX research, what are the steps that um, you, UX researchers follow to get relevant insights and findings? Mm. Ooh, too Lots many. Steps. <laughs> Lots of steps. Uh, I think... Um, Obviously, everyone would um, first think about to get relevant insights. The first thing comes like, let's go talk to our users and then we'll take our pens and papers and run out of the office and go and grab these users. But that's not the right way when it comes to research. Yeah. Um, the first, and I, I mean, Minakshi can talk about the freelancing part of it, but I think in a large organization, the first thing is to catch hold of your stakeholders. Because no matter um, how long you have been in that organization, you might, as a researcher, you might not be completely aware of the different decision makings that went behind making that product or building that product and uh, what were the business decisions, what were the technical decisions, any of that sort. So first and foremost thing is talk to your stakeholders, get them in one room. It's going to be very tough to get all of them in one room. But try and do that. Uh, understand what do they require from this because... In the long run, since research can go from one week to a month to a quarter, you don't want you, yourself from second guessing your decisions, you know, in the, from the process. So you want to align from the start and you want everyone to stay on the same page. And that's when uh, talking to your uh, team really makes the change. Second thing, I think Minakshi and me can uh, be vouch for is plan it out well. You need to have a plan. Uh, so a plan, what I mean, what we mean is a document. And a document is something where you have uh, what is your research approach going to be? What was the objective of the research? 
what will be your timelines like you know what how much time will each phase of research take like from interviewing your people to analysis who all will be involved in the research and um, you can also have uh, the questions you'll be asking your users and that's the thing you need to do um a third thing for getting good insights is having the right users like you can get go highly wrong if you don't have the right kind of users so um basically um you talk to the right user groups so, and you can get these user groups by talking to your stakeholders understanding who what who are these people your product is targeting and uh, minakshi can take the rest i know you can <laughs> go ahead yeah so if you have your plan in place you have a structure you're going to follow you need to have the right people you need to have the right approach also which means a method you will follow sometimes interviewing people is not giving you the information that you really really want say for example in terms of the way someone is using it they're not going to know how they truly use it just by telling you you'll have to see that happen in front of you so having the right method really makes sure that you're also collecting the right information otherwise the research like you said like it's not going to be relevant for the company at all and eventually once when you're getting the information and you're surfacing those insights be super unbiased when you're a part of a product company you tend to know a lot so it's you know you have to kind of keep that aside and treat this like treat every project like a fresh project fresh fresh piece of information that's coming to you and eventually once you have your insights the only way the research will ever be impactful is if you communicate it well because it has to be used it has to be used by your stakeholders the designers the pms everyone has to consume it and you have to make it easily consumable for them so that is the phase that actually makes it impactful even if your research is great if it's not been communicated you've just sent a report across and it's sitting in someone's email the impact's never going to show so that is you have to balance both those things out execute it well and communicate it well eventually and i feel to add on to that it should also be documented like you need to have like a physical online whatever document of your research so that you can um, show it to people so people can understand it better and it should act like it should always build on to the document no matter how many phases of the research you have you need to have backups of these documents so people understand the phase you phase you went through yeah, yeah. i really like this kind of framework if i had to say you've kind of mentioned is that explore uh, communicate and document well mm-hmm. and how uh, now i'm thinking of how this could be used for every designer how or how every designer could use it in maybe not at the scale at which product companies use but if they're doing their own projects how they could use it for themselves as well yeah. and mm-hmm. um another question which i had was this is for all a lot of folks which do not know about this is that what are stakeholders and how do you identify them so oh, um they are everyone like i'm i'm being very vague but let's say you're working on a project your stakeholders are everybody who actually work on that project together who impact that project together who's uh, if any outcome for that project impacts them and takes responsibility of some phases so your stakeholders can be designers if they are researchers they are product managers they are engineers they are the data team sales marketing so you need to have all of them because you need to know who are the people working at the behind the scenes to build that product itself and there are a lot of people so you need to get an idea from each one of them and each one of them play a crucial role it's not a one man job at all 
and it depends from project to project who's involved what stage if you're working for a service provider then maybe your stakeholders could also be uh, at the ground level you know who's actually executing the service uh, on the other hand when you're building a product you could have your engineers really involved or product managers are pretty much always there because you know it's also involved in taking a lot of key decisions so you have to identify who these are uh, who's going to make decisions because again like if you don't communicate these insights to them how are they going to use these insights to make decisions so it's also another key phase the right users also and the right stakeholders also have to be identified and and a mistake i think people make is not including leadership when they say stakeholders they only include like ground level people but the leadership finally are the people who are taking those calls making those investments so you you need to make sure that your research somehow reaches them as well so that they have an idea of what they need to invest in or what they need to focus on yeah, yeah. that's really interesting because the way um, based on whatever information i received right now and it seems like it begins with the exploratory part where you are identifying your stakeholders and um then slowly you are moving on to the evaluative part where you are with the framework or, or i'm not sure if i should call it a framework uh, but the process that comes into place that is evaluating communicating and documenting right so where what do you feel is the difference between exploratory and evaluating evaluative ux research um okay so what you said is very different from the original terms of exploratory and evaluative mm-hmm. so um right now you've called the framework exploratory and evaluative but that's actually the research process right. so mm-hmm. we term the research process as uh, aligning planning executing analyzing and sharing five okay. five, five things so uh, all of these things are a part of each phase of that research process just like how a design process works uh what exploratory and evaluative research is um, that is to different kinds of research okay. methods <laughs> and uh, it's like a uh, an umbrella term for uh, two different kinds of research methods so exploratory research is done at the very beginning or the inception or the start of the project like you know uh, when you're trying to understand your audience when you're trying to you're mostly on the field you're mostly understanding who are these people you're building personas or archetypes of these people you are also building uh, the journey of user takes uh, you know if to complete a task or to use a product or to uh, get a work done so that is very basic kind of research you're just observing you're just learning from them maybe not even having a product or an idea in your mind and um, evaluative research comes around when you already have uh, some work done on the product you maybe have some prototypes you have some wireframes and you're evaluating them so you're validating them we're validating whether your solutions are really uh, working out for the users or they're not working out for the users and within these two umbrella terms you have various research methods that you can use to do your research so yeah that's how would, the two are different <laughs> you know how do you want to add to this no no uh, we can go ahead this is just like what you termed it is according to the meanings of the word but it also depends on which phase of development you are in yeah sometimes you are discovering or exploring even within design for example when you're trying a completely new version of an existing product 
and sometimes you're evaluating even very early on in the product where you might be evaluating if a certain offering or a certain concept of a product is right for the users that you have chosen or targeting so that you know you have to at every time you have to approach research you have to consider which way are you going and then what method gives you that exploration or what method enables you to evaluate okay <laughs> and also one thing you mentioned is that that interviews are an important part of uh, ux research right so what kind of preparation is done uh, when planning to take interviews so your interviews for your users right yes yeah so for that like sidel had mentioned earlier like when you're going through mapping out your research one big thing you need to have is the right people in the room with you and if you've chosen that you're going to interview these people you need to uh look at what you're going to ask them in advance a lot of times you might think that let's just go there and have a chat with these users right but um a lot when you're coming up with questions they could be leading you could be influencing their answer in some way or another so it's good to have that beforehand write those questions down it also makes sure that there's a very logical flow to the whole question answer session and that also enables you to be way more prepared for it and if you're not so prepared and you still are a little nervous about conducting interviews because it's basically conversations with strangers uh then you can try and uh, practice this just catch people who don't know too much about your product who are you know not just doing it for the sake of it uh and practice those interview questions practice how the flow will go and you'll meet people with different types of personalities so that also makes you feel prepared for that interview process that's going to happen later and it makes it much smoother in practice so yeah those are some things that you would do beforehand uh while you're maybe like recruiting the people and getting them and moving from <laughs> moving from take, uh, taking interviews right when it comes to documenting um your research what are some of the things that what are the nuances that you feel are very important that need to be kept in mind when you're documenting because you're not just documenting for yourselves or for the team but you're when you're, you're you'll be using the same insights to share it with other teams right so what the pro, what process do you guys go through uh, so uh, one of the things that uh, we do is definitely um, try and record the sessions but that is also based on uh, you know whether the participant agrees for it or whether they don't agree for it so uh, you really need to ask for consent before you record sessions um second thing uh, is um, we always conduct sessions when we know we have a person taking notes during those sessions and these are people who are uh, not a researcher they are not an intern uh, they are people from the product team they are people from the designers they are product managers who sit and observe the sessions and we really ask them to take notes and record whatever the people are saying because one it makes it easier for us when we are analyzing instead of going uh, through an hour long of the session we can look at the notes and finish like you know see things quickly two it also makes them stay focused during the interviews and you know observe more better and uh, uh, i think um, uh, three also tells them the value of note taking some people just think that note taking means 
writing down the important points but in research it actually means no filter write down everything don't judge anything just write down whatever and anything that is possible that the person is saying so yeah those are the three ways of documenting you know you are yeah. yeah so like the levels that i was talking about so this is the level at like the interview level per person that you speak to you must have those things documented what have they said how have they said it without like sudha said don't interpret it say what they've said in a written form whatever the note taker is comfortable with we also have people just taking notes on their phones because they're so fast at texting so when you you have it at that level you have uh, all the stuff from your individual session when you are talking about uh, the research execution phase when you're analyzing information you also document your process there so how did it go from this one quote that a person had to an entire insight so like sidel and i had done one project where we used uh, the tool miro which is basically a digital whiteboard from uh, sticky note uh, software so we literally had like hundreds maybe thousands of pieces of information that we then uh, you know put together in themes or broke them apart and then drew insights out of that those insights can be shared in different types of documents so there could be a report you could do a whole presentation for us we did like an like a whole exhibition at that point of time but the important thing over here is to make sure that this process is seen by people which is why you document as well and all of this at least when we would do it together we would put it all in one document that document has everything that happened with that project right from what was the brief you started with to where does the project stand right now who's responsible for what minutes of the meeting insights that came out learnings from the research process itself so that you can do things a little faster the next time or more efficiently and those documents would then go into a larger research repository so you can see that it's documented at every single stage and every single stage you can choose who to share this with you it's not necessary that it's always shared but it's preferred that at least a tracking document the document that holds all the information has everyone involved in it so that you know when when they are having a look they know where the project is they know what the findings are someone new joining the team can immediately just pick it up like a guidebook of that project and then know exactly where you stand with it and like the repository is then for the organization where you can then go through your history like a whole library of books and right now sidel is creating one as well uh for swiggy the repository of research so maybe she can talk a little bit about that as well can i continue or do you have a more question yeah, <laughs> so uh repositories are nothing we we uh, actually even using our notion at the moment for repositories um where uh, we've segregated uh, like say um, consumers is one file and then there is vendors the restaurants and then there's delivery so when i go into consumers it's split into whatever pages you see on swiggy so basically there's like home page then there is a tracking screen and there is um, post purchase whatever post order pre order all these and all the research is done for these different fields are there within those folders and uh, if you click on one of those things you will see uh, what was the research goal 
uh, what were the key takeaways or the key su executive summary, as we call it, what came out of that? Uh, are there any highlight clips, which I mean, like small video snippets, which I can show as proofing? And um, also, uh, it also shows uh, what were the next actionable step that was taken out of research, basically the impact of that research on the product itself. It also calls upon who was in charge of that research, not only the researcher, but who are the other people in charge of the research. That if anyone's missing in the future, we know who to catch hold of later on to get an idea of this. So yeah, that's what a repository is. It's still work in progress because it's still a lot to go through, but slow and steady, we'll get there. That's awesome. And also, like you mentioned, right, uh, since you're documenting research as well, you just gave us a kind of a overview of how, what the structure of the repository would be. And since Minakshi was also explaining previously about how do you document a research, right? Or your research for sharing it with other folks. Is there any uh, sort of document or a template through which folks can learn how to document it for themselves as well? I think uh, it can be something that's tailored to your needs and what you want to communicate with your team. But maybe as a baseline or like you said, a framework, you could have all the people involved in the process of doing the research, the steps that will be taken in case you haven't started the research already. So uh, who are you going to interview or what kind of process will you follow? Are you going to send out a survey to people? What is that survey? So even those elements or artifacts you use to do the research should be within the documentation. Eventually, when you go out uh, there and conduct the research itself, you should have all your notes, clips, photos, all of that. And then uh, the report you make, the presentation you give, any exhibition you do, anything that you use to communicate your research, all of that can also find their home in this uh, framework of documentation. And then you just have to make sure that whatever tool you use, you could even use just Google Docs or any kind of documenting tool. Just make sure that they have those different areas to reach into uh, and everyone has access to it so that, you know, they're not running behind you or they're not trying to ask, you know, where did this insight come from? Maybe only one person said something about uh, this problem and maybe that's just the only person who's facing this problem. So that's when your documentation helps a lot. So you can reel back a little bit, go back to, no, listen, you know, these are the things that were being said. This is a pattern that we're seeing. And that's how you can then explain. So it helps you go back and forth in basically the history of your research. So any tool for that matter is okay. Uh, you should just define your own um, framework for it. Talk to your team about it. That's exactly how we did it as well talk to people, get ideas out there, uh, how to visualize it also. It's a fun activity, actually. And then set that process in place, iterate over it. So, yeah, I think that's how you could do or go about documenting it for yourself. Hmm. Another thing which I wanted to talk about is that one of the risks of conducting research in a wrong way, that is not doing it properly, is that you end up having a lot of biases in your research, right? So how do you eliminate biases? Um, yeah, I guess the first, first and the most important thing is uh, before you go out there and talk to your users, 
when you're creating that questionnaire or the script that you're going to follow uh, when you're going to like what questions you will be asking your users you have to keep a check of your own biases first so you're not asking any um, leading questions or you're not what i mean by leading question is if i ask you hi mayank are you enjoying your work from home situation it's leading because uh, i've assumed that you're enjoying it you might be yeah. possibly hating it so yeah that's just an example of it but um, if you have such questions first of all you need to get it checked and that the best way to do it is maybe ask a fellow researcher or ask or your team member to go through the questionnaire critique it and see if these questions are leading if it will make the participant do a certain behave a certain way or any sort um the second thing you need to do while conducting the interviews is uh, be a little conscious be a little aware of uh, how you would be asking these questions uh you're not going to use any jargons while doing that we have a habit of using a lot of jargons since we belong in the industry we'll use interface and we'll use something else and then we'll say it in front of the participant and if it's like a like an older generation sitting with you they'll be like what is interface like what do you want me to do <laughs> so yeah uh, so that that is something you have to be very layman and um, i think don't go ahead for research with a clean slate like don't assume you will get a uh, answers even though you know that you might get a particular answer you might know that you know these set of users will behave in a certain way don't assume it uh, the best thing a researcher can do is act foolish in a research interview like mm-hmm. keep on asking why 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 even if that why is the most stupidest why possible it's okay because you need that answer to come from the participants and you not you're not supposed to assume it so yeah that's how we do it awesome yeah. be super conscious of what you're asking how you're asking and the mm-hmm. fact that you can be biased i think accepting itself is the starting point to avoiding being biased in the first place got it and can you tell us more uh, like you had give, uh, mentioned it briefly previously about how um, you are creating repositories and documenting uh, ux research right and you mentioned we could talk about it more further so mm-hmm. can we deep dive into that yeah okay <laughs> cool um so we had two documentation uh, methods i mean actually talk about the second one i talk about the first one so uh, uh so the first one is uh, the user research repository now the way it came to our minds was because we found research to be inaccessible uh, most of the times most of the times teams started coming and asking about uh, where is the research report we haven't got the mail we haven't seen it some uh, projects started uh, repeating after you've done the project you're going you're getting the project again and you're like we just completed it few months back so what happened to that so uh, as a team uh, we decided to do a user research repository um now like minakshi said there are many different ways you can do a research repository initially most of our research documentation used to happen on google drives but again it's a lot of multiple steps to reach what you want and then you'll have to go through a report which is a slide or a presentation and that will have so many slides and so many um, data that it's tough for someone to just overview it so we thought of doing a repository now the repository like i mentioned will have every project that you've worked on nicely segregated it's tagged it's tagged in a format that uh, you get to know which product it belongs to which team it belongs to 
it's tagged also in a format you, that if you click on usability testing, you'll get all the usability testings done in Swiggy. So that is how um, it's tagged over there. So based on research methods, based on the product, uh, based on the time it was done, the year it was done, it, or the location it was done, it's tagged based on that as well. And the researcher who worked on it. So let's say uh, if I worked on it, it's tagged under my name. If Minakshi is working on it, it's tagged under her name. So um, when you go in depth, what that repository uh, focuses or the goal of the repository is to provide other people quick insights of what exactly happened in the projects without going in depth. So uh, we worked on only providing the gist of the project, the important messages from the project. So basically project goal, uh, research method, why was that research method used? Like it was usability testing, why was usability testing used? Um, how many people we spoke to, the different kind of people we spoke to, was it um, Swiggy users, was it non-Swiggy users, uh, was it in Bangalore, was it in Delhi, wherever. Um, and uh, then you have uh, the executive or the key insights that came out of it. It's like a say five to six points of what was really, really important that came out from that research. And then you finally have what were the next steps taken by the team as a whole. Like if, if even if the next step is a change of a small button, then that step was actually mentioned in that in the repository. So we know what was the impact from research. So anyone going through that document knows the past, knows the history, knows what action was taken and can build over it. So let's say there are multiple researches done on um, the Swiggy homepage. So you will see all those research insights under the homepage column itself so that you're not deviating or you're not going to any other folders. And it also has links to, uh, if you want to go in depth, that you know the gist, but you want to go in depth, it has links to the actual folders, actual videos that you can take a look at. So uh, it has like the good uh, surface level things and then the, uh, underneath the surface things of uh, what it also has in the repository. And that is done for every project. Every project is accessible to everyone. And um, uh, so that every team can see what is coming out of it. And let's say if an insight or an action, actionable wasn't taken forward, it notes that down as well, that it wasn't taken forward due to such and such constraints tech constraint, design constraints, timelines, all of that is mentioned over there. So it's like a single source of truth, like what is happening, why it happened, all of that. Yeah. Um, Minakshi, you can go with the diary. Yeah, so like on the project level, like I said, like you're trying to create a timeline for the existence of that project, what happened within it, who did what, when did that happen? And eventually, what was the result? So like every single state, it seems, uh, now that we're explaining, it seems so crazy because not too many processes are documented this way. You're not really going to know what decision led to what, but we decided to go about this method anyway because it was getting hard to keep track of why something was dropped or what happened with a certain insight or a certain set of insights that were uh, put out there in the form of a report. So, um, yeah, the what we called it was a research diary, like I said, book in the library of doing research. And it had everything to do with that project in terms of the process that you followed, people who were involved, some way of tracking all the, uh, you know, the stages of research, like Sir Ellen mentioned, like the five, six stages that we follow for research. And 
every key decision that was made we would go down to the level of writing me, uh, minutes of the meeting of every single meeting so that when we come back to a new meeting about that project we could revise about what were the decisions we made why did we make those decisions what are the next steps going to be so we're not losing out of you know losing out on time going over the same process again and another thing we would include in this is what did we learn from this as a company in terms of insights and what did we learn from this as a company that does research and this was mostly for the team as well so for example in one project if we figured out that this method of recruiting that we used here already was not efficient and we need to find another way or we did find another way we document that if there's some information we found or a certain new method that we followed we'll put links in for those kind uh, those kind of things so when even a new researcher is involved in the whole process they can go back and see that you know we took ages to do this for so and so reason so let's skip over that let's learn from our mistakes and let's do this research much better and it also helps everyone else learn about you know the the different nuances of doing research because it's not just that we'll put the brief out there into the world and get a uh, you know report back into your hand a month later or something it tells everyone what is it that transpired to make that happen so then these diaries would be included in the repository that also is like a, a one page one long page um version of the project and then you can branch out into your videos and everything to go from there so there's like this tree and the diary is the branch but the trunk is the repository <laughs> man the amount of effort that thought about this <laughs> the man the effort that would have gone like i just hope that all of it solely like the system that you guys have that you folks have created it's like just helping and not creating any blockers and all the power to that so <laughs> now yeah and also the thing is that man talking to you folks i'm realizing there are so many things which despite me doing research as well before interviewing or reaching out to you folks there's so many things i did not know despite looking for it on the internet and this would only be known to those who are actually doing hands on practice and actually do in depth and really doing it as a everyday part of their life right so for all those who watch this interview and who get inspired to hey i want to be a ux researcher how do you suggest they sh- they can get started i think we can take a note like a page from both of our journeys for that yeah I I think Minakshi just started so you can go ahead. Yeah. Um so for me I started off uh, as an industrial designer and I was so sure when I went into that that this is what I wanted to do. For those who don't know industrial design is basically the design of physical objects which are mass manufactured. So right from your toothbrush to your phone everything. So uh when I went into that it was like yes this is what I want to do. and uh this is what i'm going to study how to do yeah you know everything is aligned on that path but along the way there was a lot of like self discovery you could say that you know thinking about the fact that i used to ask a lot more questions before i even did the design uh that was a phase i enjoyed a lot 
and that was a like sometimes people would just say ki can you move on can you please get things out now stop asking questions but that was just where i was kind of stuck and i chose to dive uh, deeper into it and uh, understand the people who use the products rather than focusing on the products that you will then make for the people so in in that journey uh, switching to research fortunately for me was slightly easier because design involves research a lot of the research done right now is in ux especially is done for design teams uh, and uh, during the phase of design as well so it was an easier transition but getting started the very very first step was to speak to people just talk to people who practice who use research out there um you know like sidel was one of the first people that i reached out to in that case because i knew she practices that and through that you can get to know a whole new community so you're not you know sitting in your bubble and thinking this is the only thing i can do you go into that space and you try and understand that field on its own and speak to people and through that i got to know how do i and my current skill set fit into this world and that's how you know you can get started off first figure out what the world is like and then what are the steps you can take towards it uh, if you already in a design uh, space if you're already learning design in some way and want to do research then what i did was i understood what research i did within my design and then expanded on that so i was kind of showing my existing skill set which is industrial design but how do i use research within that world is what i showcase but in case you are not coming from a design background or completely different background uh, not related to ux or product or anything of that sort then you might uh, have to figure out um, certain things like what drove you to get interested in design were there some things you noticed out there in the world uh that you think should be a uh, researcher you interacted with a product and you see that oh god why didn't anyone do research before you know making this thing so uh those kind of things you can dive deeper into explore maybe find a mentor out there uh who can guide you through a project like that or at least uh, critique you at certain points of time and that's how you can start you know exploring the world without actually having to practice or otherwise like something that both sidel and i have done is intern just intern wherever you get the opportunity if it doesn't teach you how to do the thing it will tell you what you like and what you don't like about the kind of work that you hope to be doing mm-hmm. and that can tell you a lot more about the practical aspects of doing research so dig deeper into that interest that you have in research to begin with mm. and if <laughs> someone so now this is as someone who's really as as an aspirant right who mm-hmm. wants to get started the main top po- points uh, to reiterate are to get started talk to people give interviews uh, sorry participate in internships apply for an internship do internships learn um, reach out to people who are already doing it like you reached out to sidel right um so after when you are applying for an internship right for example what are you uh, as an as a hirer or as an interviewer what are you looking for when someone's applying for the role of a us research intern 
I think when it comes to an intern, I think interns, we all were interns and we all built portfolios before and the amount of stress we had taken just looking at the portfolios out there, those high level eight year experience portfolios, uh, I think you should not be too hard on yourself. Just be too honest on what you know, what you are interested in. As a hiring uh, manager, as a recruiter for interns, we just want to see, especially for user research, we just want to see how um, how interested you are in the field. I mean, it's a very niche field. It can get boring for some people. So uh, how interested you are in that aspect of user research, talking to people, uh, you know, having conversations with strangers, how, how can you make them feel comfortable, uh, all of that. Uh, you can also show, uh, like I have seen people show projects, like what Minakshi said, maybe they come from a design background, from different design backgrounds and uh, show projects where you have played a role of a, a very tiny role of a researcher where you went and you know spoke to users and uh, you just went, conducted some interviews, got some ideas and then those interviews really uh, impacted your design process in your college. You can really emphasize on those aspects. Um, uh, we would also love to see how much you know about research. So you read up about user research in itself, like about the different methods. We don't expect you to you know, do all that methods. No one has done every method that research has, but at least know what method can be used where, uh, what are the basics of user research. There are a lot of articles you can find on Medium you can uh, keep reading through that. There are a lot of uh, mentorship now due to COVID, which is available online. And there are podcasts like these, which will help you out. So try attending and try understanding uh, from what we missed out as interns. We never looked up at a realistic person out there and what was their journey. We just had this hypothetical journeys in mind. Like, yeah, we will work in uh, some Adidas and Puma one day being industrial designers, but it didn't happen. So you need to find a realistic journey and see what are the struggles and what does the real life look like and then try to uh, figure out a space for yourself. So don't be too hard. Do what you can do. Show what you can show and... Uh, we interns are not only really expected to be like above and beyond. We just want you to have that end to for learning and to grow. And then you're there. You're just taken up. <laughs> awesome. I feel this will create, this will reduce a lot of anxiety for all those who are uh, beginning, wanting to start off, but really hesitant that what if uh, it doesn't work out or mm -hmm. why would I even be considered, right? And so moving on from internship to full-time, what do you feel or uh, are the what are the requirements or what do you look for when you're um, when someone's applying for a full-time role mm -hmm. <laughs> i think we can answer we would love the answer to this as well i think uh, but um yeah i think when you're interning like sadel had said you're looking for potential uh, but when you're applying for full-time you're looking for a little bit of proof of that potential as well so if you're aiming for a full-time design re, uh, user research role that's when you want to see some form of work which shows that you can be a decent researcher uh, of course then you're evaluating what kind of methods have you explored how have you approached those methods uh, what are some challenges you face how do you come uh, you know overcome those challenges in practice they also uh, look at what kind of environment have you worked in. 
So uh, you as a researcher might be great, but you have to communicate with so many stakeholders. You can't exist on your own. So that is another skill that's really uh, looked out for and something that you have to display as well when you're trying to get hired as a user researcher. And um, apart from that, just like design roles, research roles also involve uh, maybe some sort of exercise or a project that you do uh, to get hired for that role. So like, for example, when I was getting hired uh, at Swiggy, I'd actually done a mini project of sorts uh, to show that I can potentially do this. And in their exact world of Swiggy, the product being as it is, how do I as a, a researcher fit into that? So that is like more than enough proof. Like they know what you've done in general. They know how you fit into the space. So those are some things. And of course, even with interns, I think full-time anybody, uh, a fit or how you work with people matters a lot. Your personality. That's why you're trying to show your personality through your portfolio as well. And you can actually judge a lot from conversations. I guess you might already have some opinions about Sidel and I from this one and solitary conversation that you have. So that's what also matters a lot because in, I mean, in reality, you're working with other human beings. So connection matters at every point of time. So that is also another thing that people overlook, the softer side of things, the less skill-based side of things that people also look out for. Uh, when you're uh, getting hired as a researcher. I guess Siddharth might also have something to add to that. Uh, I, I mean, mostly it's around your impact that you've had. And uh, research can be a lot of a group uh, working together kind of role. So you really, in your portfolio, when you're trans transitioning to be a user researcher, you really have to show what role did you play and what value did you bring onto the table Let's say you work with a team of two researchers, you work with a team of three researchers, but what did you individually do would be of a great, of great help to know that uh, are you capable to handle things alone if we give you that. Um, so yeah, and um, it's always key, uh, like a lot of researchers face situational questions where uh, you know situations are just thrown at them and at that point uh, I, I just freeze I'm like I don't remember the situation at all like you know so it's really good for a researcher like I've started doing it very recently but to journal something that you know you have faced like whether it's like super good uh, period of your career or something that you know any challenges that you face to so write it down because in the long run when you have certain interviews or when you think about uh, switching jobs or anything of that sort um, when you're thrown such questions, you already have like these stories in mind instead of just making it up at that point and then um, not giving the right details to your interview. So yeah, that's uh, that's another way you can handle these things. That's great. And so as we're coming to the end of our interview, I wanted to ask you folks that since one big aspect of this interview has also been to let everyone know and realize that there's so much more to UX research and there's so many things which people are assuming and they do not know which are going in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. So if I had to ask you folks uh, kind of like a retrospective question mm -hmm. that how do you feel that the nature of your work has evolved since when you started and what do you feel, what are you expecting or looking forward to change in the coming time? Okay. Oh, okay. So <laughs> when I started, I so I started as an intern, 
So um, obviously, when you are an intern, you're accompanying people for research, you're helping them out, uh, do the research, you're helping with analysis, you're helping with the note taking. You're just at that phase. You're just trying to soak up all the information, all the learnings from them, because this is something you never learned in college. You never learned. You never learned in any courses. So you're trying to do all of that when you're interning. As my role grew and as um, the years flew by, uh, right now it's more about responsibility, handling people, um, doing projects, handling projects, being responsible of the projects that you're taking. Uh, there's a lot of time that goes in communication and convincing and all the soft skills that Minakshi was talking about, which we never learned before. And you're learning by the day, right? How to how do you talk to other people from other disciplines? So that way. Um, is how the role has changed in my personal life from being someone who's learning to being now someone who's handling things or mentoring people or all of that sort. Um, the second thing, and I think all researchers would agree is this COVID phase. The COVID phase <laughs> is a transition in itself where uh, initially you were talking to users, uh, in your, you know, you're meeting users face-to-face when you're going on the field, but now you just have this laptop and you have to be on one of these uh, remote tools doing the research. So that's something very new. And that is something we are still trying to cope up with. Like, you know, a lot of the research methods that were open to us, like ethnography, like going on field is now we cannot do, we cannot possibly do that on a laptop. So there's a limited sort of methods. The processes also change when you're doing it online. Um, the recruitment of users get tougher and challenging by each project that you're doing. So we're trying to cope up with these things. Um, so that is the uh, second uh, big change I've seen in my life. Uh, where will research head? Uh, I feel uh, I, I feel that research right now is very early stage in India at least. It's at a stage where uh, probably design was a couple of years back. Uh, that's where research is. We're still be trying to be accepted in this community. We're still trying to build value for research. We're still trying to say, Nain, this is not just asking questions. It's much more. So, um, yeah, so um, that way we are in that phase. And what we intend to be is like be like this entire division or a team which is solely working for the users because the research in itself is like, there is user researchers, there are market researchers, there's some consumer insights, and they're all sitting in different parts in your organization doing different researches. But it's trying to get all of them together to have a one-stop, one-stop shop for all the user insights that you need. So yeah, that is where <laughs> I think research should be heading. Yeah, and hopefully being in a space where research is involved in decision making as well. Because if you if you have representatives of business uh, when key decisions are being made, then uh, researchers or like the pool of research that has been created, someone needs to be there to represent the voice of the user at that case. So we always say that in the profession, but uh, it's very hard to make that journey from when someone says something to you to that actually re- reaching the people who make the decisions. And like it, uh, research tends to fall under a lot of umbrellas. Uh, maybe it's design, maybe it's uh, market insights or something. But uh, if it has a voice of its own and if it's heard, hopefully that's where we hope the future goes. That would be um, that would actually lead to a whole different form 
of research a whole different approach that companies can take to research so like that is definitely the change that all of us are hoping that happens and maybe that will uh, given the tra- uh, tra- trajectory that india is taking at the moment awesome this is also a great session so this was my man i'm going to be watching this myself again just to <laughs> all of it and awesome this was great thanks a lot sidela menashi for being a part of this interview it was great knowing your stories and your day to day work and the impact that you kind of uh, creating in the existing design industry awesome thank you thank, thank you, you so much for thank having you. us here today it's been fun yeah. uh, answering all these questions and i hope people learn something new out of this um, because we struggled to have access to these kind of things when we were trying to learn about uh, you know what research is like in reality yeah. uh, so we're hoping that this gives people a little bit of an idea a look into the world <laughs> awesome thanks for listening to this episode and i hope you liked it to check out other episodes and clips from the interview subscribe to the whiteboard.fm youtube channel feel free to share your favorite parts of the interview and don't forget to tag us this podcast is a part of the 10k designers network you can check out other projects on 10kdesigners.com